This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. Voice of Change Time with myself, Lauren Jacobs. Welcome to K-Pulpit today. I hope that you have been having an amazing, amazing afternoon and a great week. It's been such a great week. Uh, the sun has been warm and the weather has been good. So that always makes it for such a stunning week. You know what? We're going to have such a good time on the show today because today we are going to be getting really deep and we're going to be going really far with some incredible human beings. Now, today is really, really is about mental health, mental wealth, mental wellness. And it's also about, you know, you know, getting into men's mental health you know the journey that my two guests have taken is quite incredible the things that they're going to be sharing is really about some of their own learnings and also some of the things that are so important for us to really really consider and to think about to take away to be challenged to be inspired and just to be in a place where we can hear people sharing vulnerably openly about their stories and that inspires us you know, it is so, so powerful when we share stories, shame breaks off. You know, we, we don't feel so alone anymore. We realize that there are other people that are going through similar things. So I want to tell you about my two guests, two amazing guests, Safiso and Chris Owen Campbell, as I'll refer to him as well. Now, Safiso Rapinga self-funded the organization called Noga Notes, and we're going to talk about it. It's a source of information for individuals and organizations around the world, providing this channel for people who want to gain more control about their mental well-being overcome unhealthy behaviors he's a incredible south african and he's driven he has an entrepreneurial mindset and he started noggin notes in 2016 during a very very difficult time in his life he suffered from adhd and severe panic attacks which impacted every aspect of his life and he's going to be talking about his journey he has a background in tech as well incredible human being and in Campbell Chris he is an entrepreneurial leadership faculty member at the African Leadership Academy holds a BSc degree in political sciences from the University of Pretoria and is currently doing his honors degree and he is also was selected to be part of a group of young African leaders dedicated to the transformation of the continent called the Young African Leaders Initiative he's also done so many things he's also a member of the world economic forum luanda hub and it's so incredible you know he also has had this transformational journey with mental health and it's so close to his heart and so today these two incredible guys are going to be on the show sharing with us about their journeys so stay tuned you don't want to go anywhere because you don't want to miss our conversation Sophie, so I really want to start with you today. You know, you are the founder of Naga Notes Africa, which is really all focused on mental health, mental wellness. And that, that is done through training, you know, education, free podcasts on mental wellness. I know that obviously, you know, something like this is very, very personal as well. We all have a personal journey and a personal story, and it's obviously connected to what we do in this earth and what we do in this world. And I'd love to know from you, you know, what is your journey with mental wellness really looks like, you know, from a personal perspective? Thank you, Lauren. Um, firstly, thank you so much for having us. Truly really honored and grateful uh, to share the space uh, with my partner, Chris, mm. and to share our journey with you and uh, your listeners. My journey has been incredible. Um, hopefully one day I'll put it in a book because mm. I'm sure 
in this time frame that we have to where we're speaking together, I don't think we'll have enough time. <laughs> but um, firstly, who I am, I am a truth seeker. I am an adventurer, a traveler, and uh, a searcher of healing. You know, and I've come to this point in my life um, recognizing these parts of me uh, because of all the experiences that I've gone through. And during those experiences led me uh, to see how important uh, mental wealth is. And if you see, I'm saying mental wealth instead mm -hmm. of mental health, uh, because mental health has this heavy stigma, this, this uh, dark energy on it mm. you know when somebody speaks about mental mental health you know you look down upon there's something wrong with you or that's a crazy person yeah. and when in fact our minds are the most valuable thing in our bodies they control everything we do uh, function body functions you know waking up or going to work thinking and then it does this magical thing by creating conscious, conscious, hmm. it creates emotions. There's no other species that has emotions as uh, humans do. And it's, it's just so funny to me is that, that we don't take care of the most important thing yeah. in our bodies. Hmm. <laughs> um, so before I started mental uh, Noggin Notes, I went through some really difficult times in my life uh, growing up. And um, a few years later, I uh, went through there were something you would call um, the darkness of the soul, mm -hmm. where you come to a realization that what you've been doing for the past few years is not working. Mm -hmm. And everything that you try and do just breaks and you feel like a failure. You don't even know who you are. You can't even face yourself uh, in the mirror. Uh, so I went on a discovery to find out what is going on with me. Why do I behave in such manners? Why do I choose certain things? And during that journey of searching for answers, I realized that there's not much out there for the normal person, for the individual in the street, you know, for a black South African. Um, all this information that was out there was very clinical and was very, uh, say, uh, westernized yeah. and very white, you know. So a lot of the information did not resonate with me. Um, even I can tell you, I've been seeing a therapist and that I live overseas, currently living in Cambodia for work. And I see a Canadian white lady uh, as my therapist. She's amazing. She's incredible. But some of the things we discuss, especially my childhood, she doesn't know how to help because she's never experienced certain things that I've experienced in my culture. So how does she uh, give me a, a, a toolkit to handle certain emotions, certain memories? And surprisingly, that is 80% of the mental health, mental wealth, the clinical uh, industry in the world. So mm -hmm. I created Noggin Notes to try and change that, to provide information 
so that individuals like myself in different cultures all around the world find find this information very accessible. Well, I absolutely love what you're saying and what you're actually talking about here as well. And I do think that uh, your book does need to come out at some stage, please. <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, it is so important and so true. And I even find, you know, we have differences as black South Africans and white South Africans. And I also find that my friends, you know, in the States, for example, you know, there are a lot of things that they talk about to me or things that we try and unpack that they actually can't understand, even though we're both white, they're American. I'm South African. I keep saying we have a different context. You know, it's not like right. yours is right and mine is wrong or, or whatever. It's just we have a different context for almost all of our experiences that we go through. And I think that what mm-hmm. you're talking about here, you know, when we talk about our mental wellness, when we talk about, and I love that, that mental wealth that you're talking about, we have to understand, we have to come from that place of understanding. And I think that that is so powerful. Mm-hmm. And Chris, I want to, I want to, you know, really bring you in here as well. You know, I know, I, I know that you're just an incredible human being. I've had the privilege of kind of sitting opposite you on Naga Notes Africa and just experiencing just how deeply you listen and, and just create such a safe space. What has your journey looked like with, you know, mental wellness and, and unpacking things in your own life? Has it also been sort of a similar journey for you? Um, you know, first off, Lauren, <clears throat> thanks for having us on the show. Um, and a huge shout out to all the listeners out there looking to to better their, their mental wealth. And I just want to say thanks to Sfiso. Like what you were sharing was just really amazing and such deep level of vulnerability. And I appreciate that in you. And you know, I've always always told you that you're a special human being and thanks for spreading that that gift, that richness. Um, Thanks, brother. <laughs> mental, mental, mental wealth, mental health for me. You know, I I was fortunate to travel to various different countries, and um, I think where I started confronting this notion of you know my mental health or who am I at first was you know you go into a space or you go into a country, you're there for about two years, and then your dad gets a contract in another country, and then you pack up and you're in another space for another two years. Um, and it, it wasn't just, you know, being in different places, but, but it's also the language, uh, mm. the culture. Um, the, one of the biggest moves for me was moving from Kinshasa, Congo, to um, Nampula in, 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 Mapu, in, in Mozambique. Mm. So I, I moved from a French-speaking country into a Portuguese-speaking um, environment, and that was my first confrontation with, you know, some sort of racial barriers. Um, mm. In Mozambique, we had the Portuguese colonials, and it was a different class system, I noticed. Mm. And, you know, as a black African, I started seeing different treatment that I'd never experienced before. Wow. Um, and you ask yourself, like, why does anyone treat another person any different? Mm. And I guess... They, there was this notion of othering where, you know, you, you're not even able to be amongst certain circles because of just how you look. Mm. And that, that can really put someone into a cocoon and, you know, you can withdraw yeah. um, four walls in your home and you start wondering, is it something that I did? Is it me? Um, so that constant battle with self and engaging with the world beyond the four walls at home 
was was really the beginning for me. I mean, I, I thank my parents. They created a very comfortable, safe environment for me at home. Hmm. Fortunately, as soon as you leave uh, that safety net, it's vicious. And that's where you, you start battling with social interaction and um, who are you in trying to define yourself within that context. And, you know, I can gladly say that at least there are certain tools that we can apply today. And, and I hope that these tools mm. can continue to help people. Um, and, and Nogi Notes is one of them uh, as, as, we, yeah. as we journey. And um, I, I find peace and, and peace of mind in knowing that, you know, I don't, I, I don't have to please everyone. Mm. Um, I first have to please myself. Mm. Um, and then move into spaces with kindness. Hmm. Wow, well, I love that, especially when you talk about kindness. You know, it's something that I find we have to have within ourselves. It's something that the world just really lacks, you know, in just in just general. And thank you so much for sharing, you know, just a small snippet of your journey so openly with us. And Safisa, you know what, it's it's so powerful, like quite a few things that you just shared in just a few minutes right at the beginning. And that's why I'm like, yes, please do that book. You know, we need these tools. We need these resources. And I want to know from you as well, you know, like, you know, when we talk about mental wealth, when we talk about mental wellness, are there unique barriers that men face you know, when they are trying to unpack their own mental wellness, you know, are there barriers that prevent them from doing that? We know there's the whole, you know, nature-nurture debate that we have in psychology. How do we nurture boys? You know, what is just nature that boys just generally come out like, you know? But are there unique barriers that men face when it comes to, you know, maybe counseling talk therapy seeing a therapist you told us so openly you know so powerfully it's a powerful thing to say i see a therapist it is a powerful thing it's not a disempowering thing as people think is there mm -hmm. unique barriers yep. though that men experience when it comes to talking through this and or even going to see a therapist thank you lauren and um this brings me to what i love about noggin notes and what we've been doing is that I'm going to say it from my perspective, from what I've gone through, because in the end, um, sharing stories heals, you know, and that's one thing that Chris and I have noticed is even through my personal healing journey is that listening and hearing others' stories resonates. And I'm like, oh, yeah. someone else out there is going through the same thing. I, I yeah. really thought it was just me. And that's just so impactful. You know, um, so I I grew up in the I was born in the free state um, and grew, then grew up in Nalsprate, um in the late 80s. So I was a child of the transition between the old government and the new government. So there was a lot of things happening within society in South Africa. I grew up in a very strong uh, black flat family. Uh, my dad, my mom, incredible parents, and I am so grateful for what they have done and sacrificed uh, 
for me uh, to be where I am, even though as a child I didn't understand, but I was a child, of course I wouldn't have understood. And also with the tools they knew they had from what they've experienced in their own life. So growing up in that time, my parents really wanted to give me the best. So they've placed me in environments where they thought and believed strongly that I would grow uh, I would have a benefit for my future. So in more white predominant uh, environments, schools, uh, activities, uh, because they understood that if their child gains those Western skills, at least he or she will have a better chance of um, succeeding in this life, mm. you know. Uh, mm. But there's also uh, a part of my journey growing up where I'm in these situations, uh, not understanding what is, what are these real world problems that are happening. Mm. I'm in a white environment where these white kids see this black person and Mm. all the information their parents are saying to them. And then on the other hand, I'm in a black environment with family or people in the Lokshin or back home in the villages where they see me as this privileged black boy. Mm. Uh, So I'm trapped in between not being accepted on both sides, (laughs) Mm. which caused me to lose a sense of who I am or was as a child and caused me to create coping mechanisms to try and fit in in these different collectives, in the white collective, Mm. in the black collective, which in turn caused me to choose wrong things, wrong actions, wrong behaviors, because as a child, I was so desperately wanting to be accepted. Mm. Oh, that's, and that's a lot of, that's a lot for a child, for a six-year-old, for a 13-year-old. Kids are supposed, at that age, I was where they're growing and learning, looking for nurture, looking for love, looking for kindness. And there's a lot of us out there growing up and all we are getting is rejection, abandonment, Mm. uh, sexual assault, abuse, and confusion where you grow up becoming 30 years old and you do not know who you are. You look in the mirror and you hate your black skin, you ask yourself, why mm. does no one love you? Mm. And, and that's my story. That's who, where I had to release all that baggage and energies of others' mm. uh, judgments and who they expect, my parents expected me to be, who society expected me to be. And really, like, spiritually mm. be with God and myself and say, who am I? Yeah. Who, do, who am I supposed to be, no matter what anybody else says? And before even getting there, for me, it was when I turned 30, when I started realizing that this is not who I was. And in a society where I grew up, where we didn't have tools in schools, where our parents didn't have the guidance and the education on how to um, um, 
see different behaviors and recognize them and say, okay, my child is behaving this way. What's going, what's actually going on instead of uh, projecting their own emotions and their own perspectives on their child without understanding Mm -hmm. where schools, Mm -hmm. teachers are not trained enough to understand some kids have learning disabilities and it doesn't mean if a kid is disturbed is always noisy or misbehaving there's is just a naughty child yeah. maybe there's a, something else behind that that's happening maybe there's something at home that the kid is projecting that energy from home in yeah. the classroom mm-hmm. and 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 then also in the clinical uh, aspect where we have people of color in the industry who understand the different cultures like black kids are brought up in a certain way other than white kids indian yeah. kids and colored kids so there's more of a understanding rather than a projection of how you're meant to be living a life in the certain society mm. wow Sure. Uh, I feel like there's so much, there's so much that you're, you're sharing with us today and unpacking with us today that actually is asking questions of ourselves as well. And I hope Correct. that, I hope that the listeners yeah. are experiencing that and experiencing that challenge, you know, but mm-hmm. also the challenge to look into ourselves. You know, there's so many different realities. And Chris, you even alluded to it, you know, the sense of being the other you know, yeah. in, in different societies. And, and that can happen even if, you know, you haven't traveled outside of the country or you just find yourself in different communities like Sofisa was sharing, you know, there is that yeah. sense. And I think, I think I just want us to pause on that and to, to reflect on that challenge and to reflect on that question. Or maybe there's something that's unsettling us or that's bothering us about this kind of conversation. And it's so good to take a moment for us to reflect on that. So we're going to go to a quick music break, but we don't want you as the listener to go anywhere because we're going to go deeper and further when we get back. So enjoy some music reflect on you know these kind of questions and what we've just been sharing about because it's so powerful see when we get back you're with me lauren jacobs here on voice of change and it's so good to have you with me welcome if you're just you know tuning in if you (laughs) if you're just tuning in to us today you know what I wish you were here earlier, but don't worry. You know what? Come and settle in with us and enjoy the show because we still have so much that we're going to get into and talk about. Now, Chris, I want to come to you and I want to ask you, you know what? Um, as a guy, as a man, I I have a lot of conversations with different with different guys. Obviously, I was a therapist for a number of years. And so, you know, I've had a conversation with different guys and Men just generally also say that society places stigmas on what maleness looks like, on what, you know, a man should be. You know, we have that saying, oh, you must man up, you know, which is ridiculous. And we have all of these things that we talk about, things maybe we see on television, things that we hear from our families, things we hear from, you know, our marriages or from our partners or whatever. What are there these very real societies, you know, type thoughts and stigmas that's placed on men when it comes to thinking about mental health? Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a great question. It's a, it's a, it's a huge one. Mm-hmm. You were like asking it, it got me thinking, why is it that we confront a man and, and, and see toughness and see uh, rigidity and, and, and we just see this machine of a human being uh, that is emotionless? 
And if we look at history, it's there was a time in the world where we needed to build things and we needed labor, right? And that labor came in the source of, of, of bodies, man. Um, we were seen as objects. As women were creating more of us, the man was creating infrastructure, building it with their bare hands. And perhaps in that cycle, we lost touch with the human being inside of that body. And we started looking at man as an object. Mm. And when we fast forward into society today, we're still building in terms of infrastructure, but we're doing a lot more of the soft skills building. So I'd say, you know, with the fourth industrial revolution, we're looking at someone sitting at a laptop and working their minds away. Mm. And it's not physical labor anymore. And now we're getting more of the sense of the human inside of the man, as mm. opposed to the machine that we're seeing constantly. And when we start looking at man, man and woman are, are one. We, 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 I don't really see a difference um, yeah. in terms of how we function, how we think. I, I would say society is enabling these differences for you know certain capital reasons uh they want they want a head of a household there should be heads of a household and you know Spiso and i reference our parents it was both of them at work it wasn't one mm. or the other, right mm. and i think when we start isolating one or start placing one over the other that's when you know we're ruining society mm. and we're creating, we're creating holes, and these holes are being punched through people, like constantly. It's, it's like it's like bullets on, on a target board, and mm. we're being fractured. Um, mm. I I see a man as weak. I see a man as vulnerable. Mm. In the yeah. same, I see a man as strong. I see a man as decisive. We embody so many emotions. It's not right to only look at a few and mm -hmm. place hold on those over another. Mm. Um, the stigmas that I've you know, experienced going through my life have taken me on highs and have taken me on lows. Um, and at the very low, I cry. I, 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 I tears mm. comes out. And there's nothing shameful about mm. that. In my very lows, I, I, I communicate extensively and I share my emotions with those that are willing to listen. And I don't have any reservations around what might they think of me. I am unleashing something that needs to get out of me um, mm. in hopes that people are seeing, they will be able to replicate and, and notice that this is a healing process, right? Mm. If we bottle up all of our emotions, it won't end up well for anybody. Yeah. I worry about how we affect well, the effects on ourselves, but even more, it's the effect on society at large. Mm. If I am not in control of self, I am risking those that are within my proximity. I'm putting them at risk. So there's this constant need to always ensure that 
we are firstly balanced. Um, there's good and there's bad. Hmm. But at the same time, with that balance, finding equilibrium, right? And being able to engage people meaningfully on what actually matters to them. Yeah. I think society at large needs to rethink how we position the man hmm. and start adding value to the holistic approach, which is man and woman um, being one. Hmm. I love that. I'd just like to add, uh, add in on that. Hmm. Thank you, Chris. That was beautiful. And also, um, just to add in to the men, being vulnerable is not a weakness. It's not girly. Yeah. It's not womany or anything. Um, being vulnerable is being in intimacy, being in intimacy with yourself. Yeah. Intimacy is into me, I see. Mm. So you cannot be vulnerable if you cannot be in each and every emotion that you have. How do you expect to be vulnerable with all your emotions to anybody if you refuse to be vulnerable with yourself with those emotions? Mm. If you keep on pushing mm. them down, ignoring them, um, pretending they don't exist. I speak right now as I am is because I know I've pushed away certain parts of me and they've just boiled up and they've come out in interactions with people as anger, yeah. as, a, as, as aggression, as, you know, as emo cold is it's my internal is trying to release. It's not, it does, my body doesn't want to carry these emotions they, yeah. because they're not doing me any good. All they're doing is harm. And the more I, seal them or push them away, the more they grow and aggressive they get. They want to be released. And that's where, as well as crying, crying is the best mm. release of energy and emotions. Yeah. The body is designed to cry so that it can heal. <laughs> yeah. Why would we have tear ducts if we were not supposed to use them? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's you know? exactly so. That's exactly true. And some people, you know, it's so weird to me because some people experience other people crying as very unsettling to them mm. and I've experienced right. that, you know, like <laughs> even in a religious setting like I will just start crying. That is how I am. You know, I'm just like, yes, you know, that is how it is. It's just such a powerful experience. And then there are people around you that feel very uncomfortable. Like, why do you always cry? Like, you know, yeah. why are you always moved? I'm like, listen, you also don't know the journey. You know, I didn't cry for the first 18 years of my life because I experienced abuse in my, in my home. You know, and there was a healing that I went on. So now I cry really easily and it's powerful because it's testimony to the journey that you've been on. So we've got to, we've got to. And, and I'm just, you know, this brings me to wanting to say, and, um, you know, I can't believe like our time has just flown by so quickly, but I'm going to start with Chris and then Sophie. So I'm going to come back to you. How do we do better in our society when we think about, you know, I'm also thinking about how we raise boys how we nurture our sons you know i meet a lot of moms all the time who are actually very very interested in how 
they can do the best for their sons you know how do we change the narrative you know how do we do this how do we create this you know unstigmatized reality that is men like you said we can be vulnerable we can be sensitive these are these this that is part of your human nature how do we do better as a society to change things for the men around us the men in our lives the men we love and also the men we know and also for our children yeah yeah Look, I, I think it's it's a, it's a really it's a really tough one. Um, but I'll, I'll firstly start with how we bring up our children, right? Like, mm. there's this, you know, you see kids playing, and then you'll say, "Ah, oh, boys will be boys." Um, mm. That saying is, you're not you're not helping the boy. You're actually you're 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 promoting whatever bad behavior. Um, that that child is exuding and and you're saying it's okay because it's a boy Hmm. Uh, we need to start corrective behavior from from that instant where if a boy is behaving in a certain way so let's not even look at him as a boy let's look at him as a as a human being a toddler growing up Mm -hmm. behaving a certain way with another correct that behavior between their interaction don't label them a boy and girl Mm. Um, and you know there's this whole notion of boys should play with certain types of toys or you know should wear certain types of colors Um, I think that already also it kind of gears someone into a certain bracket it it, it Mm. brackets buckets them and it limits their ability to think freely Mm. Uh, I think parents uh, I'm a, I'm a parent myself. I have two kids. Uh, I have a boy and a girl. Mm-hmm. One of the, the one of the gifts in life that I want to give my children is the ability to to be free spirited and to be curious and to ask questions. So mm-hmm. I think we need to start instilling curiosity uh, in our children so that they can ask us questions and we can respond to them meaningfully. And giving them a, a good response, way so they they can weigh their options and make their decisions. So we we want to create thinkers, mm. right? Uh, we don't want to create people that just absorb, 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 and are told what to do. Um, there's a huge sense of independence that needs to be built in there. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, society at large, we we really need to start thinking about how. We're shaping the world for those that are going to come after us. Again, we're, we're talking about the kids, the children, the future. If we are not equating women at the same level as we are with men, up until today, this is it's problematic. And the unforeseen consequences of this are, are yet to come. We don't know because we might not be alive to witness it. But it's our duty to start shaping and molding what we want to see. Mm. Uh, Right. Mm. Uh, yeah. We have to start instilling value-based leadership in our children. Uh, we have to instill the, the right means of of thinking and processing information, and and the right ways of coping with challenges and difficulties that they may face. Uh, mm. I think I think it's vital. Uh, society needs to really rethink the human beings that we're creating for the generation to come. Mm. Are we creating disconnected people or are we creating uh collaboration and inclusive inclusivity in 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 human beings and Mm. i think i think the key uh, from my end yeah yeah 
Yeah. You know what's so what's so um powerful as well, what you're sharing is is really reflecting on what kind of ancestor do we want to be? Which is quite interesting because over the last week, I've had that question like come up from within me in a very loving, kind, beautiful way. What, you know, what kind of ancestor do I want to be in, in the sense that, you know, my great grandmother, for example, is, is part of my ancestry. You know, what did she leave behind for me? And no, not physically, not the things I inherited from her, you know, like your, your nice table or vase, but what values did she have? What did she instill in her children who became my grandparents and who became, you know, then had my parents and that kind of thing. And what did they leave behind? Like on a personal level, you know, and we look at our families and we see from my side, I know not everybody's like that, but we see brokenness. I see a lot of brokenness in my families because my ancestors didn't take that journey. They didn't take that journey with themselves. You know, they just perpetuated a broken cycle that re resulted in so much harm, you know? So we've got to ask ourselves one day we will be someone else's great grandmother or great grandfather. And then they'll look back and go, Oh, wow, Chris, Sophie, so Lauren, you know, whoever my ancestor was like, what did they leave behind for me? You know, not the money that I inherited, but the values and the family reality. And did they make the world a better place? And it's something that I've been reflecting on so deeply the last week. And I think it just, while you were sharing, it just came up for me again. And it's so powerful. And I want to say thank you for that. And Sophisa, yeah. that brings me to asking you the same question. You know, if there are people listening, which we know that there are, there are listeners and they're saying, okay, how do I do this? You know, how do I change things? How do I create a better world? How do I deal with my mental wealth? What would you say to them? Thank you, Lauren. Um, so for men, we really need to take accountability for ourselves, for our actions, for our behaviors and for our environment. We cannot keep using the same excuse and blaming others, blaming how we were brought up, blaming our circumstances. Yes, they play a massive part in our growth and our healing, but in the end, us changing that path, breaking, as we said, that generational pattern, that generational curse, mm -hmm. it starts with us. You know, we are that next step. And if we just don't look within and ask ourselves, who am I? How am I still contributing to these behaviors, to these actions? How can I, Sviso, change to be better for myself so that I can be better for others? Mm. And it's a very difficult question because it's 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 really eye-opening when you look back and when you have the courage to face yourself, that's when it all just, you let go of all those chains and you are ready to start afresh, to build a new foundation of healing, of peace and of growth and abundance. And it's a difficult path and it's a difficult, self-reflection is not easy. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, <laughs> it's very difficult and painful. And I wish I could sit here and tell you all that it's, it's roses and rusks and coffee in the morning. Mm. It's not. <laughs> um, and I guess it's, I, I guess why it's so difficult is because of so much pain and unwanted uh, 
foundation that it's been built on that we need to break it and hmm. we can't break it with a slight touch we need to really destroy yeah. that foundation so we can start fresh yeah. So yeah. for me, I, I, I would like to leave a message saying we need more accountability as men and as women mm-hmm. um, and as, as humans on this planet, because it goes further from just South Africans. It's as Africans. Yeah. It's the whole world, especially now with all that's happening. Um, there's a lot of fear and there's a lot of projection and we need to step away from that because it's just blinding us from our own truth mm-hmm. our own families our own healing and if we're not if we're not uh watchful we could revisit the same cycle in a few years time again mm. yeah yeah, absolutely. Guys, I want to say thank you so much for being with me today. The show has not only been very, very, you know, obviously informative for us, but it's also been a really deep show that has inspired us. And I truly believe it's inspired me. So I believe it is inspiring others that are listening to go deeper within ourselves and to take that journey. And Safisa gave us that challenge, you know, and we yeah. need to take that journey. So guys, I want to say thank you. Thank you for your vulnerability. Thank you for your openness. Thank you for sharing your journeys and thank you for being here on the show for speaking so powerfully with us today and I really it's been such a blessing thank you both so much thank you so much Lauren thank you listeners for hearing us out yeah thank you um, it's really great being on the show Lauren and to all the listeners we really hope we're able to provide you something tangible here today mm. Absolutely. Thank you so much, guys. There's always a challenge when we think about what we want to do better. I always think about it as, you know, what do we want, what do we want to throw forward? What do we want to throw forward for our children, for our grandchildren, for our great-grandchildren? You know, not even just for our children. We need to consider the lives that we impact on a daily basis. Other people's children too. We need to think about our nieces and our nephews and our godchildren. And the, the children that we are guardians over and the ones that we serve, maybe at our communities or our churches. You know, we need to think about what kind of reality and life we are throwing forward for them as well. And especially when it comes to mental wealth and i love that term we need to think about the societal messages we're giving we need to think about how we want to do better we know that between our generations there have been massive changes we know that the generations past haven't learned about emotional intelligence and you know what 50 years ago and even less it wasn't a very common reality to go to therapy or to speak about your problems it was more common to sweep the problems underneath the rug not talking about it but this generation we are not so much like that because we don't want to sweep our problems under the rug we need to face it and we need to take the journey it is powerful is inspiring and i want to end off with saying that with god's help anything is possible i know that i've had to go on a journey in my own life over many years also struggled with many different aspects of you know anxiety and that kind of thing but god really has a therapy room for all of us he has a powerful therapy room and yes in that therapy room there is talk there is healing and there is a journey that you have to take to and into yourself it is because we are so broken often and because of the things that other people have inflicted on us that we have so many of the issues and the woundedness that we have but we can take courage today because god is with us but we have to take that journey we have to go and we have to say you know what i don't want to be like this or all like that or i don't want to perpetuate these you know terrible behaviors that i have 
it is possible. It is possible to heal. And it is possible to give wonderful and empowering messages to boys that also, also tell them that sensitivity and love, compassion and kindness, these are not feminine traits. These are human traits. And people, all of us, should have them. So until next week, it's been such a great show. I've loved being here. I hope that you've been challenged and changed today. Take care and God bless. This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za.